So Noise is a market leader in the space of wearables. It's a bootstrap company which has scaled to a few thousand crore levels of revenue now. Very exciting journey where they've come in with their customer centricity and tech savviness with the product. What's very fascinating about the conversation with Gaurav today is the fact that he comes with a 15-year experience in the digital space. The fact that Yahoo was doing a deep orbit personalization back in 2008 is very fascinating. And the uh, obsession with data as a source of power, as a source of differentiation, came also from his time at uh, Cardeco and OLX. So, you know, in the world of noise, he's trying to move a product-centric company towards services mindset where the expansion of a relationship with the consumer can be quite huge given that they have 7 million monthly active users, given that they have all these watches out there in the market and all these consumers who are replacing their watches every 18 months now instead of two years earlier. So the category is great and they've had a dominant market share already in place and they are continuing to retain that position. So let's hear it from Gaurav as to how they're playing it out for noise and what data and uh, consumer centricity means in their world. Gaurav, very quickly, would love to understand a bit of your journey and then tell us a bit about, you know, what's the secret sauce behind noise, how is it shaped up to where it is, and then we'll delve a little further into this whole aspect of what user engagement and retention means in your world. No, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. I think I'm looking forward to our discussion today. About me being 15 years in digital, uh, got in digital fairly early, Yahoo, then OLX. I'm like four years at OLX, chief marketing officer over there. Mm -hmm. Then I joined Cardeco, uh, almost five odd years, uh, marketing content head. And a uh, couple of years with Zupi, a real money gaming company. And now uh, for the past five months, I'm here at Noise. So this category is quite interesting. First time I'm actually coming from a digital services to a di sure. product company. Yeah. So steep learning curve, but I think it's a it's a great category to be in and, a, and an even better company to be in. Bootstrapped, I mean, which is a rarity in, you know, yeah, so, so bootstrapped and still being a market leader in a big uh, mm -hmm. category. I think that's a very rare thing to achieve. And uh, I think those are the reasons because of which I said, yeah, okay, this this looks like an interesting place to be. Absolutely. Uh, great people, great place. Yeah, so, so here I am. So far loving it, five months, huh? But 15 years in digital seems like you made that choice very early in your career that this is where I want to be or it so happened no, in no, your I, first I think I, I made it consciously. I'm like, you know, though everything is like, you know, all this better 2020 in sure. hindsight. But then I think even at that time, I had like, you know, two choices. I'm going to go to the IT powerhouses. Uh, or go to Yahoo sure. uh, in, back in 2008. I don't know why, but I thought that digital is going to be big and uh, Yahoo was Yahoo. I'm the mothership of all digital internet. So it's going to be an interesting one. So I got into digital very, very consciously. I think Yahoo taught me a lot of things which are still very, very relevant. Sure. I mean, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about like personalization, engagement. And I think Yahoo was super ahead of the curve even at that time. And the whole man-machine relationship that they had kind of identified and executed was insanely powerful. So I think a lot of things that we discussed today, and obviously at a much more evolved scale, Yahoo was already deploying that scale. And you talk about Yahoo of 2008, which means you're still able to find relevance 15 years later. Mm. Let's say something about the level of progress that they've made. Fantastic company. I yeah. think I'm like, you know, just made some you know, choice, which is, which didn't play off well. I'm but sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, respect. I think uh, for a lot of brands that can be a store, situation in the journey. Regardless, you know, tell us about Noise Gaurav. You've been around five months now and I think you know enough about the company's history and journey. You made the choice to join this product place, so to speak. With all the constraints of a bootstrap player while being a market leader, it means a certain level of discipline and a certain level of philosophical stance. Tell us more about uh, Noise. So Noise, uh, I think the, the beauty of Noise is that it's always like very consumer first, product first. And I think both the founders, Amit and Gaurav, were able to understand, I'm like, you know, what are the uh, 
the needs and wants as they were like you know just just starting to shoot uh green shoot and that's where i think the product strategy also followed from so i think which is where like a lot of like young companies they they find their feet in terms of finding the product market fitment but i think both amit and gorav had that insight or, or consumer centricity where they understood that this is something which is going to be big and then the second lever that they worked on very very strongly was that product first approach so from consumer centricity to product first where i mean like you know how do you have a product which delivers what it promises and looks good while it does that so i think those two things really worked well in some sense also super crowded as a category right i mean when they launched probably there was not that many but then there's now i don't know how many people importing watches in trying to sell them i i look at it like both ways right i'm like on 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 one side we can definitely say that it's a crowded place but i think for any category which is just like starting grow i think having more people also helps accelerate the category the category sure right there are more people advertising watches so there'll be more people wanting watches but then of all those people who are wanting watches you become the default choice in absolutely sense. so so i mean like you know i understand why we compete with them but i'm like you know on a, on a very very macro basis if i were to just like not wear my noise hat i mean like you know um, any industry that sees competition is good for the consumer which yeah, all of also mean all these guys which become short term spikes in aggression which will end up dying down because they'll not be viable is good for you because somebody helped contribute to creating innovation and then faded away and also like shows the consumer i'm mean, like you know what is I'm like you know which which players to believe in. Hmm. I'm like you know because if you like just get too used to all the good things in life, then then <laughs> there's no perspective. So so regardless of what others do, I'm like I'm I'm fairly at ease. I'm like you know with with others coming in, welcome them. We know what we do, so I'm fairly at ease. Interesting, but so in some sense, uh, what is that one thing that makes a consumer prefer uh, your products over the others? I'm sure there's a lot more nuance in terms of the product components and functionalities and features and those things, hmm. but those are tangibles. In my impression, there's also some amount of non-tangible. that you've established from a brand philosophy or identity or yeah, how yeah. you've got brand endorsements in place how does that story play out look we are in a lifestyle tech category right i mean like you know any times any time that these two things get dis- disassociated is when you start to short change the consumer on a, on a on an emotional level and i think that's what like noise did really well i mean like, you know lifestyle tech was always coupled with each other if you only about tech 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 become very niche you stop appealing to the irrationality or the emotional perspective of the product buying experience yeah. if you become too lifestyle lifestyle then you become just too gimmicky Not and i tech. think yeah exactly i'm like you know tech is like you know compromised upon so i think that is maybe the secret sauce yeah. where you appeal to the rationality and the irrationality both and that's where apart from the hygiene factors which is like bhai oxygen sahi batata hai tracking sahi karta hai and all that kind of stuff uh do you feel good while you wear it i'm wearing Uh, Hello Plus, I'm wearing right now, and I can walk into pretty much any room sure. uh, wearing the same. Uh, those are the emotional benefits. Yeah, yeah. And I think from the imagery that was created, and I think once our brand ambassadors also like took that legacy forward. Yeah, that's that's what. It sounds fairly simple, but it's probably the part that most people tend to miss, as you just said, that you know you'll be amazing on the brand side, but the technology will not deliver. Yeah. Or you might be amazing on the technology side, but the brand is like whatever, so it's not as. something that you'll emotionally resonate with and like all young companies i'm like you know for a fairly i'm like you know at least in the early stages of their life are uh, a reflection of the founders dna hmm. and between like samath and gorav they were like always had like this complementary uh, point of view i'm yeah. like you know one is a tech maven one is like a consumer focused person and so on and so forth so i think both of them had an equal so some degree of let's say mutual pressure building to make sure that this is tech wise amazing and this is consumer wise well promised and well delivered and and i think they they like you know got to a place i'm like where it is never like either or sure ki yaar isko ke liye banate hain isko ye banate hain and all that because there has to be a basic level of hygiene 
uh, on all fronts and then you kind of love lift the whole so in sense there's a degree of push and pull involved between the founders that ultimately brings out the best on both sides absolutely regardless and then you make the investments also i mean like you know yeah. do you invest in like say new product development mm. do you in, uh, invest in innovation uh, from a product perspective do you invest in like you know uh, the right marketing teams who have like the 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 uh, the creativity to bring it all to life um, the the product people who can like you know make those things come alive on the touch points so i think uh, fairly progressive from the original dna um, and i think that's that's what that's worked out pretty well that, for them in yeah. that sense so you know in very simple terms while i'm not delve a lot into the whole acquisition side but what's interesting is you guys are bootstrap you guys are profitable at some level by and large absolutely and you also have random bazaars and you're spending a fair bit in terms of the brand side of things as well so how does the math work out and you know is this just to say that you know whatever you're selling on the product side of it from marketplaces or the direct to consumer channels on the retail channels as well unit economics are tightly watched and controlled and managed and that's working out yeah so the second part is absolutely true i think yeah. i mean that's where the short answer is i think unit economics and pnl hygiene is something which is very very central to mm. noise and i think and and obviously i mean the macros also helped i mean you know the the boosting of noise i mean the past sure. few odd years i mean with covid coming in i mean mm. you know the increased focus towards optical fitness wearables and all that and if you have a good product then i think the macros helped us that is a tailwind that that hmm. maybe that applied to the category and you somehow took advantage of that tailwind and got a lion's share out of it yeah and then the word of mouth gets in if you're doing a job then i think i'm mean, like you get like 10 other people to talk about so in some sense being a market leader has a share of disproportionate returns on effort because whoever's oh, coming into the category a large number of them will come to noise uh, absolutely because i'm like you know economies of scale is a reality sure. right and because of which you keep on driving the the cost of productions down and so on and so forth all the logistics kind of keep on coming down which you kind of pass on to the consumers also and that's mm-hmm. where it also becomes like fair a fairly high quality product at a, at a price point that, that doesn't pinch you it's it's a magic ingredient some sort of a flywheel that's constantly going to help matters because you're more scale better costing better pricing and absolutely you help me a little bit with the whole portfolio approach as to how is that shaped and what is the philosophy here because uh, we just happened to buy one of your kid products mm. the noise buddy nice. which or noise scout i think which has the yeah, app yeah, on scout. the phone as well yeah. so fascinating but i'm just curious about the philosophy because generally as a product i would not have too many as an individual perhaps maybe i'll have a watch maybe the earphones but what is that nature of uh, how does the portfolio look like how do you see from a single consumer lens or is this more of expanding to more consumers so i think i'm like you always start with the most uh, lowest hanging fruit right so i'm like you know you will have like people in the age group of 18 to 24 and 15 actually 15 to 24 let me put it this way who are like you know tech, early technology adopters and they are like if you look at like 15 to 24 there are like many lifestyle uh, life stages changes from student to college college to say postgrad and a first, first job hmm. so in a course of like 8 to 9 years you have like four or five different life stages and then maybe if you extended 30 then you're also getting married then then the the needs and wants change uh, what do you want out of your health from your lifestyle and so on and hmm. so forth which is where i think we saw that people wanted such a uh, companion okay uh, and which is where i think you create a product for that particular cohort upfront but then you see that this is adopting the pr- uh, product they are talking well about it and then you kind of like move into the next use cases so you bought like a scout as as a as i'm like you know, as a parent of young kids i'm like you know this thing becomes very critical i mean sure. your, your kids are going for tuitions and so yeah. on and so forth you need another use case so i think that that again going back to the whole consumer centricity hmm. point i'm like you know what are the other use cases that we can like you know 
deliver very well. In some sense, you spoke about those whole 15 to 30 age and life stages. Is the product portfolio designed to cover different needs throughout these different stages? Is that the nature of, let's say, model number one versus model number two versus model number three? Is this appealing to different TGs? Yeah, so at, at different, I mean, like, you know, uh, your, your first point of contact with this particular category uh, might be around, like, say, I mean, at 15, 18, you are not, like, necessarily, like, you know, thinking about the ill effects of not having a healthy body. Sure. Right, so so maybe it's a lifestyle gadget. It's a lifestyle that thing. Yeah. yeah. Style statement of sorts. Exactly. But as you go forward, I mean, again, then you're looking at like, hey, I need to uh, exercise and so on and so yeah. forth. And which is where you unlock like more things. Hmm. And then your product portfolio also like, you know, starts to mimic that thing. Uh, sometimes, you know, just curious, well, of course, you've not had that level of vintage of 15 years, I guess. Hmm. You'll still have a bunch. So would you see people graduating from, let's say, now they had yeah. this and now they're having this and having this. Over a five, seven year time window, you have it's a consistent customer who's graduating from level 1 to level 2. Yeah, in fact, I'm like, we've seen like, you know, shifts happening on that consumer behavior also. So, mm. so maybe a couple of years back, it was about two, uh, two years replacement cycle. Sure. Where you upsell to, Next version. Uh, to yeah. a different segment altogether. Now we are seeing that happening at about 18 months. Wow. So you're almost like shaving off like, you know, 25% of your replacement Which cycle. Which is great, right? Yeah, it is. I'm like, you know, and then, then you see that I'm like, now it's more than you started 10 only because that's the scout part, right? Uh, no, I'm like, you know, and that is like aimed at the parents more of than course. the kids. And yeah. also, right? so, but, uh, trust me, the demand is driven by the kids because my friend has it. I also want it. Functionality be damned. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, you know, like yesterday also we noise like uh, we launched something which is like for a little bit older kids also. Yeah. So again, you unlock like more and more use cases, which is where I think the category also starts to take root a little mm. bit more strongly. I think that's that's the way like we are also shaping our portfolio. Like recently, I'm like, just to give you an example, not mm. necessarily only through age, but through gender also. We launched something called Diva. Uh, okay. Noise Diva. Uh, a couple of months back, actually less than a couple of months back. Mm. If you look at like, one of the biggest drivers has been like, you know, ki dial kitna bada and all that kind of, sure. right? So 1.9, 1.6, 1.9 and all that. But then if you were to like, you know, just put the consumer centricity hat again, then you see that the risk sizes for women might be a little sure, bit like you know smaller, smaller than what males would have they're like oh okay this is why this is not working so i mean you launch like a form factor which is from uh, uh, the physicality uh much more attuned more suited to, for a female yeah, did very well i think mm -hmm. i'm like i think it sold much more than we anticipated on that part of the world so so you unlock like different use cases and this is all a function of let's say some sort of consumer insights that you'll just keep discovering in because you're that much more consumer-centric and you control your supply chain better, your responsiveness to yeah. insights is relatively faster. You know, so I'm going to zoom into now the whole uh, post-purchase side of things because that's so, where a larger part of relationship building happens. So while it's quite amazing that you anyway have a profitable equation on the unit level uh, when you're selling a product, but there's a lot of value to unlock once somebody's got a product because invariably they'll also have a mobile app and you have yeah. millions of those users who have your watches and now the apps as well. How does it play out? And let's pick up one segment and just understand this whole post-purchase journey. Where you currently are, what would you love to do, where you're headed in that world? As I said, I'm like, you know, it's lifestyle tech. I'm like, you know, while, while some people might be more lifestyle oriented, some, some people will be like looking at more about health and fitness and so on and so forth. Mm. One thing that I've like learned, I'm like, having been in internet for the past 15 odd years is um, you have to educate the consumers. It can't be like, you know, you, you just let them have the goods or services and yeah. then imagine that they'll be running through the entire 100% of what their product offers. So that's that's where post purchase. If you had to like you know have like you know what is that one filter or one one objective that you want to optimize for from mm. post purchase perspective, it's more about like uh, education. Okay. Right. So so 
once you bought a watch and you've downloaded the noise fit app, you activated the watch. Now the whole thing is that a lot of us are like very well intentioned people. We want to like you know kickstart our health journey and so on and so forth, but we might not necessarily know how to go about it. Even if you know about it, I'm mean, again a lot of times if you're doing it individually or all alone, not being a part of the community. This is the, it's it's not just about like your interaction with say a noise watch. I'm mean, like you know we as human beings have certain like you know reservations about how we engage with the product and service. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that decoding happens then you start to like you know use that for your education and engagement okay so and then you build like your uh, product features around that thing okay. so like like we'll have something called communities so okay. hey can you come and like you know actually be a part of a certain community that you want to be a part of do you want to like actually if you don't want to like you know say you're getting bored by like you know doing your steps on a daily basis would you like like say invite a friend of yours and like you know have a street challenge with that person and so on and so forth there's a lot of room for gamification somewhere right exactly but then they all come from a real place and then that's where the whole post purchase education/engagement starts in some sense it's also habit formation because everything about fitness will need a certain degree of discipline absolutely and if you're aiding that process then you automatically end up being a larger part of that person's behavioral transformation and that's where so, i'm like the whole word of mouth also kicks in Hmm, that I'll will end up inviting a friend of mine to compete on steps, and then both of our both of us are more engaged with the application. Absolutely. Let's double click on one of these examples, maybe, and understand what that uh, flow really looks like, and you know how that influences some degree of metric which you care about, hmm. right? So let's say you launch a soul community feature. That as a user, I could join a runners community, or maybe a joggers, or maybe weightlifters community. How does that translate into deeper user engagement and the metrics that you truly care about? Let's look at like. As I said, Kim, like you know, while we have done one thing well, the twenty-four mm-hmm. months, it eighteen months replacement cycle yeah. is coming. But but um, agar if we just look at transaction as the only endpoint, um, yeah. as the only touch point, then we are looking and going to be waiting eighteen months of for course. that person to talk to us. Absolutely. And and um, that's where the larger piece of like creating an ecosystem that really does well for the people who are putting their trust and money in you, and you also like you know making an ecosystem which is like giving. How do I put it? The right levers for that person levers. to mm-hmm. stay engaged with you. Yeah. So, 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 so I'll get, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you have say challenges on on the noise fit app, where we gamify the entire thing. Ki hey, I'm like you know, this is a particular challenge. I'm like you know, stick to it. If you're like you know, really doing well, then you gain certain points and so on and so forth, which obviously you can like redeem and so on. So, how do you actually make people first be aware of that particular thing? Because mm-hmm. as I said, ki I'm like you know, this exists. Yeah, as as a as a user, you've got so many choices to make in a finite amount of time. You would be super arrogant to think that once you sold your product and service, the person will do automatically do whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, it, it, it's just a super arrogant statement to make, and which is where the whole engagement strategy then comes mm. uh, into play. Maybe a little bit of like experimentation at first. Maybe this guy like feeds feeds is our social product, right? I mean, you know, what are other people doing on their social, uh, sorry, health journeys mm. and and lifestyle journeys? Maybe I'm like some people will be just like competitive from uh, a nature perspective. Hmm. Hey, uh, challenge with my friends, challenge with the community, and then see where I end up. And and contrary to say uh, that the popular perception that I'm uh, AS like around, so that I get some coins and all that. I think that is a good to oh, have, not a must have. Okay. Yeah, I'm like you know the the if you really create an environment which is like you know by it runs on its own steam. Then I think I don't think people like you know are saying that I'm just like around because I'm just coins milling and so on and so forth. Okay. The the beauty of it unlocks when you are actually like you know talking to that segment 
understanding ki what is more relevant for this person and then curating that environment for that person okay uh what that does is it just like makes us that much more intelligent about a person's habits regarding hmm. the health suite um or 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 how how by indulging in certain activities hmm. are your uh, health matrix going up uh, and so on and so forth okay so like 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 i i'm i just started playing golf uh, sure. so i always like you know uh, in the morning when i'm playing say nine hole i'm like i'll always have my watch on it's almost like a positive reinforcement by the time i played my nine holes maybe i'd done about 9000 steps, steps. Hmm. and almost like say 300 calories sure right and next time i'm actually playing golf uh, this is my added advantage also so i'm not necessarily like only looking at like you know hitting a good shot by the end of the day i'm like oh, okay like that's that's, that's a pretty cool thing uh hmm. i just like you know gives me that added kick to my established practices oh, outside the and and that's where i'm saying i'm like i'm not necessarily like looking at my watch uh, or the noise per ecosystem ki mere ko usse kuch milega and all that kind of stuff ki coins milenge redeem karunga and all that i think just the whole journey itself if you can like create like fairly decent um levers then people engage why is not to a consumer insight around motivation right so what would motivate individual one versus individual two might be potentially different yeah and to find a convincing answer to this might also not be a universal answer no it can't be so would this then become a slightly more experimental approach than the deliberate approach absolutely. we had before it absolutely so what's been your let's say the first few definitive wins and okay this is what we've understood about human motivation and fitness and this is how we're orchestrating this in the product now the whole is thing it? about like you know the that the thing uh, the, the thing about like you know the insight that even if you when you start off on your uh, health journeys uh the first thing is i'm like you know you are not going to be optimizing on anything till the time you don't know about it okay right so awareness is like a big big thing right sure. so like, which is where the app is designed in such a way i'm like you know if you just take this insight and then you say ki hey i'm going to create an app which makes a person aware of his or her i'm like you know health matrix in a very easily digestible uh manner that's the first port of call i'm like you know okay. at least like jo tum kar rahe ho uska tumhe malum bhi hona chahiye ki kya ho raha hai uska impact in level 1 in terms of my health states you know there's a swing scale which would be from a whatever brand and they'll tell you all the different components of your let's say fat you know this is much this much versus this much subcutaneous whatever else but in your lens uh whatever you're able to capture will end up being about the exercise of fitness regimen and then you'll package that into something which is I think that's the that's the second level I'm like okay. I'm just saying ki I'm like you know first just like you know make the person take baby steps ki bhai kya kya cheeze tumhare ko malum honi chahiye ha but okay by starting let's say you know health profile if i were to talk about my disease situation you know what would be amazing is if i put on a watch and tells me that these are 20 things that are wrong with your body and now in order to fix this this is what you should do it hmm. would be amazing but i wonder from a data capturing and data collection perspective you won't have all of that no right? we won't have that so how do we i mean so when you say that this is a starting point your current step status yeah, yeah are you saying that uh, you'll make me do a few things and then that will give me a no, no, i'm saying you on a on a on an even much more basic level ki i'm like as i just like give you the example of my golf journey sure. right i'm like you know i'm starting to play golf but i also <laughs> understood ki main 300 calories bhi burn karta hu right just like you know the whole thing what all happens to your body when you're doing this <laughs> just to make your you aware as a consumer ki these are things that you need to know about right then the second higher order uh, uh question that we try and make people aware of is like now that you know that these are four or five things that you should be aware about hmm. which are the places that you can actually um engage while having fun and like you know actually optimizing all these matrix so how so how do you do better on these matrix while having a good time in some sense absolutely because hmm. like you know all of us are like a little bit lazy when we start off on our 
And they're posting on it. So, so don't, don't beat yourself too much about it. Sure. Uh, and as you keep on like going down that road, then you keep on like, okay, maybe there are some uh, challenges that we have for you. Okay. And once you actually go through that, hey, I'm like, which are those people that you want to compete against now? That's hmm. a very active participation. That would mean the, the network effects start to kick in because MFO are part of that community and my friends who are supposed to be competing with me are also using the same app and Absolutely. I can see the stats. This whole mutual tracking also ends up being a bit of a mutual accountability play. Yeah. And if it's gamified, then it's a challenge play. Absolutely. So in some sense, this whole classic gamification, but taken a little more real, is a powerful human motivator. Yeah, because it comes from a place of rea- uh, yeah, reality. Reality. Right? Sure. I'm like, you know, this is what all of us go through. Hmm. Yeah. So this whole challenge thing works out. But you know, you spoke about this whole journey starting at 15 from a lifestyle-ish lens and to a more fitness uh, orientation lens. And that's an age lens and a life stage lens as well. Yeah. So from your lens, uh, you spoke about the aspect of gamification helping matters when it comes to fitness as a priority in, in some sense, right? But would you look at, uh, let's say, phase two of this, the challenge in the community is one part. What what happens next from here? Or is this applicable to the entire audience? Or do you say that, okay, these people are going to be indifferent to the challenge? Like you're a golf player, but you don't necessarily care about competing or counting your steps with somebody else. So how does that uh, set of other plays looks like? Because in some sense, gamification has become at least theoretically well understood. Mm. I mean, not many people would do a great job at applying it. Mm. It applies very naturally to your category, so it makes sense. But are there other experiments you've run where you've seen some success? So I think the whole thesis or the playbook as we are writing it, I'm like, you know, is, so, so this is like something which can be deployed or is useful for a lot uh, group of people. Uh, a lot of people will actually say, yes, yes, I agree with this statement or this is Perl, the feature what it's unlocking, it's relevant for me, right? So sure. I'm like, that's the larger piece and as you say if I were to just like you know draw an imaginary pyramid maybe this is like the base case okay. that starts to happen Ki, hey I mean like you know we are helping you at least like be a part of the whole fitness community mm. and giving you all the tools and the bells and whistles to be engaged the secondary and as you go high I mean again, there'll be some people who'll be like very very happy being here but there'll be some people who are like what more right sure and those kind of reality. What more or what else, or maybe both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, what mm. more or what else, and so on and so forth. Uh, when I say what else, this is not eleven for me, I want something else. Vis a vis, I'm good with this, I like this, but I want more. Yeah, so maybe, maybe what more? I'm yeah, like, for me, I'm like, you know, huh? what more? I'm like, you know, uh, so maybe I'm like a person like me would say, Ki, hey, I'm like, can you, can you give me a much more vertical, deep down mm. experience on, on golf, sure. per se? Right? I'm like, you know, can it give me a little bit deeper understanding? I'm like, you know, when I hit, like, say, of the T, is my heart rate higher? Or when I'm putting, when I'm stressed out, <laughs> when I'm putting for a par, I'm like, is yeah. that heart rate higher? I'm like, you know, I'm just joking. Sure. But then I'm like, you know, those are the kind of things I would like to know. Start about. to interpret from the data itself. Yeah. Mm. So, so like different kind of like, you know, say uh, activities that even right now noise kind of caters to. I'm like, you know, people are going to be asking those questions much sure. more. And then you cohortize accordingly and then you make your product and you know, uh, also follow that particular approach. Can you actually make a vertical experience within the whole health suite. Uh, okay. This would, in, in some sense, would it sign parallel in the kind of data you're capturing because our watches capture the steps, of course, but they also yeah. capture heart rate, they got some of them got blood pressure, some of them have also got the ECG equivalent, yeah. some of them capture stress levels. 
my sleep routines yeah i don't think a watch is yet capturing my calorie intake or my blood sugar levels but mm. i would imagine at some point a non intrusive way will get discovered and you will probably be first people to launch it so from that lens when you talk about this verticalized slash depth set of things are you saying that we end up capturing more data as we mature from a product lens and then package that into more consumable insights so to speak yeah some of it is just product lens right i mean like you know as you rightly said like you know blood sugar right it requires a little bit of like say augmentation to the product right i'm mean, like you know the current sensor the the sensor in this world the watch might not be but then the technology is there. it's evolving sure yeah, right so i'm like you know uh, how do you like get this into this form factor is the product augmentation yeah. the second piece is just to understand how the whole um, how to make sense of that particular data and present it in that manner where people say yeah now i understand it's usable exactly sure. as i said ki driving versus putting Correct. but i am actually getting that insight and so on and so forth and you can stretch this whole expectation to a very uh broad level a healthcare professional right and it's not about like you know sports it's not about fitness it's not about activity but then i'm like you know a healthcare professional might say ki hey i'm like you know i've got like say 10 critical care patients uh and i watch all of these metrics on my phone yeah i mean like you know uh, or, or maybe i'm like you know say say some some people who are under his or her watch i'm like who are chronically uh say unwell sure might not be in the hospital yeah. uh but can i track their uh basic health metrics and so on and so forth So you'll have like many use cases by which you can like you know keep on verti- building vertical experiences, but the entire thing will like come from the fact that once you've got a thesis ready, right? I'm like you know then you have to have like the right mindset and the right infra hmm. to actually do that segmentation and cohortization very well. Otherwise, I mean like you know a thesis really doesn't come to life. Yeah, in some sense because the journeys will start to diverge at some point because somebody who's a chronic patient of let's say a certain situation. will end up having a very different set of metrics he cares about the kind of interventions he would expect yeah. and need from perhaps a automated system mm. you know for instance my wife just tell me that you've been sitting for too long get up and start walking because you know you won't end up completing your steps and this could also potentially mean that you're eating too much stop because otherwise your sugar is going to go rush or your calorie count for the day yeah. might just go crazy yeah so in some sense this whole i mean it's it's an end of the day a data collection system and a data packaging and application system that you're doing mm. and that's all human body led data right so whatever parameters you know about me you can start giving me a certain directional uh, sense from that lens absolutely but you know what would be interesting to understand gaurav is from your lens you spoke about the whole community and engagement from that lens which is habit formation you spoke about one level above that people who want more than this where would they yeah. head and there is a degree of verticalization that can happen uh, in terms of the uh, the given the fact that a lot of people will be opening your apps every day mm. and they'll be looking at a bunch of things which are perhaps going well for them or perhaps not going well for them and what kind of interventions they need to make uh could have different diversion paths as well and it could be services they could consume it could be guidance they could consume content they could consume or products they could consume and each of these has its own potential monetizability right yeah. if i were to start consulting a physical uh, coach that okay i need to run yeah. but i need to also figure my pre and post and whatever so help me with the advice some of that could be automated using a bot or whatever with standard content but then there is always room to have a guy who can start me for 15 minutes every day and then that can play out and all of this is linked fairly interestingly to monetization and subsequent engagement with users would love to understand some of these experiments that you've either done already or you plan to do yeah so if you if you look at like say any digital business like let alone us uh us more often than not you'll find that there's an offline precedent for it sure right be it an online supply वैसे sorry that's an interesting lens to apply but sure yeah like for for say any ota selling a ticket they were like offline agents yep. doing that sure for any i'm like you know because we're efficient online in some sense yeah no, and that's that's what digital brings sure. i'm like you know real time i'm like you know scalable i'm like you yeah. know maybe 
like I was at Card Deco earlier, right? I'm like, you know, how do you like, you know, make that information go to a person who doesn't have that showroom in his or her town? Yeah. Is something that so so the delivery becomes easier. Like you can like I mean, a lot of scale. information asymmetry will get bridged because it's just come online. I, I actually use that term a lot. Uh, it's good <laughs> that you did that. Okay, yeah. I mean, for the whole exchange play, everything, knockery, matrimony is it's that. all information asymmetry that you're trying to yep. solve for, right? And and just just put that lens on the question that you just asked. I'm mm. like you know a coach and so on. So yeah, um, I might not have that coach. I'm like you know where I stay. But sure. then I'm like, you know, it's that information asymmetry being like, you know, tackled by, say, a noise discovery ecosystem and so on and huh. so forth. I think that's that's where the whole playbook kind of takes us, uh, which is a content play, which is like uh, an ecosystem play. Yeah. And I think... Uh, Very powerful ecosystem play there, right? It is. And and why, I'm like, they are ecosystem plays outside. Uh, I'm like, you know, people have created ecosystems where... I think it becomes fairly interesting because this is about a fairly central part of your daily existence. Absolutely. Right. So if you can like really create something which is uh, adding a lot of value to mm. your health, to your lifestyle uh, on a daily basis, then I think it's a fairly precious uh, thing for any person. So it's very clear that you're convinced about this from a deliberation standpoint. Experiment-wise, anything you've done and seen success with? So as I said, I mean, this whole feeds, communities and that's, challenges, that's, that's something that benefit is established now. Yeah, so that kind of came into the last 12 months. Okay. Right, so I'm like, you know, a lot of experimentation happened in the last 12 months and we're keeping on refining and learning key. Just to give you a perspective, after actually deploying these things, uh, these, these, these features, I'm like, you know, from an outside-in approach where consumer wants something, we kind of like, you know, maybe these features did this thing. Our retention rates have tripled. Okay. In the past three months. Are you put a, able to put a number to it? Uh, no. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, there's much. a fairly high degree of trajectory over there. Sure. Um, but then, uh, but I, I'll, I'll give you a, like a perspective of the scale, right? I'm like almost like what? Uh, Seven million mouths would be on the platforms. Yeah. Uh, more than, a large scale. It's a large scale, right? Uh, and a fairly sticky, I'm like, you know, but seven million mouths is great. But then a DAO of you like upwards of a DAO uh, of a million. I mean, huh. that's what makes it like a fairly sticky. Exciting space. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, we saw and like a huge expanding uptick. that in some sense. And that's yeah. where you're saying the delta has come from your community efforts. Absolutely. Hmm. So while the, I mean, like, the, the mouse would keep on increasing because of the acquisitions sure. that are happening and so on and yeah. so forth. Or the, the upselling that keeps on happening. Uh, but the DAO increasing is like a great point uh, towards these experiment th uh, experiments actually paying off fairly well. And that's where we've seen like a threefold increase in the past 12 months. In some sense, uh, what would be the engagement lens? I'm assuming that there is a certain set of communications, either manual or automated, that would get triggered at various stages. And that would, in some sense, contribute to this now getting better. Hmm. Are you able to deep dive a little bit into what this looks like and what kind of impact have you seen from there? So, I'll give you an example. Again, a little bit of a gamification, but then... Sure. I'm, uh, so, so, Execution. Uh, yeah, so when the uh, uh, IPL was happening, I'm like, you know, during the summer months, I'm like, you know, uh, our product team, some like, you know, uh, went to town and they had like a cricket gamification on the whole platform. And uh, where it was, it was a fairly like, you know, uh, comprehensive project that we kind of like, you know, uh, tried to pull off. And what that did was that that it made people much more aware. I'm like, you know, first of all, I'm like, you know, cricket being what it is. Sure. It got a lot of people engaged in the cricket because of noise hmm. and so on. So let's go and explore. So that's the thing about just engaging but then I'm like when people came on and they found that it's not only about like say cricket but I can now actually understand the product and what this early ecosystem is delivering that's where we actually took a sustained base jump because 
you also know. I mean, like you know, you do something, you have a peak, and you sure. have a fairly People big drop. People just come in and go again. Yeah. yeah, and that to me is not a win. Doesn't sustain. Yeah, that I mean, that's tactical, but doesn't kind of contribute over time. Yeah, somebody will have like a quarterly review and <laughs> feel good about yeah. it. But I think I'm like you know, that's where I think the big unlock happened, where we saw sustained move uh, based. What move. was this tricky thing about? If you can double stake away. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like you know, where you actually say that which team is going to be winning today and so on and so forth and then you kind of like you know have a streak going and if you have like in you know, a certain number of predictions that come true and so on and so forth so people really so like that so more thing. more like fantasy gaming ish prediction yeah but without the money ha huh. but i mean would that link in some fashion to the things that the guy is doing about his fitness or anything on the data no the so that is like you know the, how you actually got like the whole macro into the noise for that so it's more like a layer on top of the existing app but not necessarily connected to the core of it but then what that did was like you know now when a person did the i'm mean, like engagement with uh, these kind of like you know interventions then so like, okay now i'm here let me just see what else is there okay so it got me back to the app by a tactical route but then now i'm more engaged with the app because then you actually like really um, tapped into the power of what these feeds and communities and challenges mm. give you and look look time spent is is a currency that all of us try to optimize Absolutely. on right and uh, once you actually help a person engage more with you uh, that person also starts to understand what are you good for mm. and what kind of value are you adding and i think that was like a an, the unlock yeah i'm curious you know when you said cricket and i'm like okay there's a certain percentage of people who will enjoy cricket and they'll come to the app to do something with let's say a prediction mm. and they'll start to look at okay i've come to this app and i see all of this stuff happening around and maybe a good idea for me to also understand my sleep patterns in the last 7 days and then they'll start engaging with that yeah so in some sense cricket just became a reengagement strategy for you people came in and then they stuck around is what you see the sustained growth has and I, i'm like you know again like you know just say going back and maybe like uh, from a 15000 uh, feet view one one downside of like you know say extreme targeting is that we just like look at that particular cohort and you will not do much with anyone else exactly it's tricky and and i'm like i'm saying there like maybe a microcosm of like people were like super interested in say fitness or say for other categories maybe fashion or something else altogether i think uh, the job of the incumbents in the category is to make sure that more and more people buy into this philosophy sure. but if you're going to be talking to a person who's not into fitness or all about the benefits of fitness and like ah theek hai malum hai lekin why should i do it uh, which is where i think you have to appeal to something that he or she is interested in at that point of time and then slowly lead them in get them in uh, and maybe i'm like you know for us cricket was the common minimum denominator sure, because something pitch. you found which is a largest let's say appeal well and then you kind of like you know hey now that you here why don't you like look around and you know like, but that's what makes me i'm pretty amazed that you have 7 mil mao and you have all of these different age brackets that are coming in mm. and each of them would probably have different hooks and entry points mm. and cricket is applicable let's say to a large number of people but from a sustained mechanism mm. i would not be sure if you would be prepared to come up with every once in a while a new idea which will have a large enough base and play with it because somewhere or the other you will end up segueing okay, okay these are the five or six macro level segments and let me start now zooming in and double clicking so now i break into five segments and seven and then 10 and then whatever again i mean like you know i think uh, those are like challenges will come when we think that the industry is totally like you know sure stagnating or maturing or so like you know there's no really journey to get to that point yeah. so like like i'll give you an example like you know say smartphones huh? right i'm like two years back smartphone and maybe i'm like off by a couple of tens of sure. millions or then what i remember i think couple of years back the shipment of smartphones in the country on an annual basis was 170 Sure. 175 million i think this year expect to be 140 145 mm. right so uh the numbers have come down uh 
for various reasons, right? Maybe there's a supply chain disruption. Maybe now the phones are good, so people also like going on to them for longer yeah. and so on and so forth. But the 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 good part is that now maybe smartphones are also looking at various different ways by which you can uh, get a person to buy your phone or replacement upsell. cycles to reduce. Yeah, yeah, and then and which that's, is what Apple does pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be obsolete if you don't replace right? it. <laughs> <Seeking> <laughs> yeah, but. Um, uh, and and the ASPs have gone up because sure. now they're uh, building a little bit more vertical experience, deeper experiences. I think the ASPs were about hundred dollars two years back. Now it's about two hundred, two hundred twenty dollars, right? So what, from a unit level, the industry has come down, but from a revenue perspective, it's gone it's up. better. And that's because now people understand that okay, make a base case much Now I'm asking for something no, else. <laughs> so I'm saying that as a as a smart wearables category, uh, we are away from that particular. Still in. Evolving days, growing fast enough without having to really oversolve for this problem yet. Yeah, so I think I'm like the primarily uh, the the primary objective will be like to increase adoption right now, mm. which is always going to be on the base case. I mean the sure. pyramid. Obviously, experiments will keep on running around, like you know the higher order benefits of of the form factors and what mm. we are doing as an ecosystem. But uh, it's always about prioritization, of course. Yeah. So this is what it kind of tell me that, you know, from your lens, given that you're anyway operating a unit economics possible business and you're shortening your replenishment or rather replacement cycles as well, the whole user engagement is an interesting piece, but not necessarily the top two thing that you care about at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you have to like start almost like, you know, getting ready for tomorrow. Sure. Yeah, so, oh, so you, that's you, more you like, start okay. doing them. And as you think, I'm like, the like infrastructure has to be in place. The data collection, the data organization, the data segmentation still still be in place. Yeah, because like, you know, another thing, uh, I think while we were chatting just before the chat, I mean, for for some categories, it's almost like it's very there's a visceral understanding of what uh, say data does or what what say technology does and all. Hmm. For for uh, product companies and all, I'm mean, like you know there's like a certain learning curve to that because maybe there are other functions also that take an important uh, hmm. precedence, right? Or supply chains, manufacturing retails and so on and so forth, yeah. inventory management, logistics, the thousand things, right? Of course. And if there's one thing that I've learned uh, after being in <laughs> digital for 15 years, it's it's actually bandwidth crunch is the like single most important thing that people don't talk about. So so if your bandwidth crunch of the management cadre, which sets the vision for the company, is looking at certain things from a priority perspective, certain other things get deprioritized. Um, and which is where, whereas you might be saying, hey, segmentation, cohortization, upselling, uh, cross-pollination is to, to maybe a much more native digital services company. Mm -hmm. They absolutely understand this thing. Sure. But a product company, there's an evolution around yep. that thing. I would imagine you'll be more forced to take a more aggressive style slash prioritizers higher if your price pressure is such in some sense. Because... You know, if I were to draw a parallel with other spaces around automobiles, the money is not in selling the vehicle, the money is in servicing. Mm. So if you were to start selling the watches at a level where it's not unit toys wise viable anymore, and mm. that's the nature of competition in the marketplace, then you might be more pressured to do better, uh, let's say, cups, upsells, crosses on the post-sale side. Mm. But at this point, it's still early and you don't have enough, let's say, competing forces with you to force you in that direction. Yeah, but having said that, I mean, like, you know, uh, as the industry also matures, then the challenges will be new. First. And which is where I think the whole thesis around the what kind of infra do you need? What kind of curiosity mm -hmm. do you need to like, you know, start experiment? Uh, what uh, should should induce that experimentation? Should, I mean, it's already happening today. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. 
So it's not like you're not doing anything. Of course, you're doing some, but from a mindshare perspective, this is going to always take a certain amount of time to evolve. Yeah, but the good part is, I'm like, you know, from a trajectory perspective, the curiosity around these things is growing faster than maybe the <laughs> other things. Which is a good thing, I would imagine, because yeah. it always keeps you ready for the future. So you've got a very interesting journey at Noise and very interesting stage to start experimenting and figuring out those components. You have some time because it's not as crazy yet. But some of the things that you've learned through your last 15 years of journey, and we spoke a bit about Yahoo, we spoke a little bit about the automotive industry. Help us uh, from whatever you think is still very pertinent and very interesting, and which has been your learnings or insights from those steps. And so, so maybe I'll take a stab. I'm like, uh, some lessons learned at Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, Yahoo being the consumer internet mothership, um, uh, horizontal, right? So you're like many deep uh, verticals like Yahoo Mail, Messenger, Sports, Bollywood, Lifestyle, Finance, ABC. Sure. But the portal, two, as they call it, right? The portal, yeah. The, the purple portal. Um, but the two main entry points were Mail um, and, and the homepage. So mail was obviously a vertical experience of communication, but uh, homepage was the horizontal experience. Uh, And this is what used to actually seed nascent verticals for Yahoo. Mm. I'll give you an example. I think, uh, and I might be like a bit fuzzy on the nomenclature, but then I think Yahoo launched Yahoo Lifestyle uh, back in the days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your your typical understanding of the consumer persona might be uh, a much more younger audience. I mean, like, you know, college going and so on and so forth. But the the, the big data uh, engines of Yahoo uh, through when we understood the segmentation and who was like, you know, from a clickstream data perspective, we got to know a lot of people who were like, you know, power users of Yahoo Finance, like who were looking at stock portfolio on a daily basis, were also like consuming a lot of like, you know, this lifestyle content. And okay. that's that's what like, you know, changes the way you think or the linear thinking. So it sounds a lot of let's say, new discoveries will start happening which are not necessarily intuitive. Which are not necessarily intuitive. And you're talking about all of this big data and personalization driven playback into on 8, 9, circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. and, and that's where, I'm like, you know, once you understand, then imagine the, the power of creating, like, beautiful experiences. So, the homepage that you would see versus mine would be dramatically different. I'm like, you know, back in the day. So, the 60 stories of yours versus my 60 stories will be very, very catered to me. It was very fascinating because what's surprising is given that this was happening in the Yahoo world back in 2008 and it's been 15 years since then mm. and it's still not sufficiently mainstream. Yeah. I, mean, I don't see everyone doing it, right? I see the Netflix and the Amazons doing it mm. but a vast majority of websites that are, let's say, born in the last 5-7 years in India, I would imagine technology to become somewhat commoditized across this. Mm. But what's your impression? Why is it not happening today? I think some of it is just like, you know, prioritization. I think I'm like having been part of the startup ecosystem <laughs> Well, I've been able to live without it for now and that's okay. Is that where it is? And, and sometimes and it's just, fry. sometimes it just becomes a reality. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, and, and that's what I like, you know, mentioned at the start of the uh, our chat also. I think I'm like, Noise was fairly lucky uh, that the product market fitment happened very, very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of like young companies, the first few years of their existence, they just trying to get the product market fitment. Yeah. And which is why, like, and then you kind of like, you know, say, okay, now I've got my product market fitment, right? Now let me see how can I personalize around the cohorts that sure. are coming and so on. So, on. so yeah. I think it just like is an evolution. So not trying to be like, you know, uh, extremely charitable over here. But then I think yeah. I've seen this this happen. Yeah, so in some sense, there are other things that will move needle more than this would. So let's just practically solve for those before we address this. Yeah, yeah, at least like get the hygiene in place. I'm like, you know, that you have sure. a piece of product or a service that makes sense. For but people. I would imagine this whole lens of data, while of course, in case of Yahoo also, it was pretty central to making sure that the key metrics or the North Star that they were chasing and user engagement and 
the number of let's say page user sessions was fairly central mm. i would imagine that to be fairly central to a bunch of other businesses and you were speaking about the whole automated space where the amount of data getting captured packaged and then translated into consumer response or engagement or insights was almost critical and core to the play yeah you know you want to talk about that example a bit more sure so while well, car dekho humne kena through a lot of like data uh, understanding and so on so forth we understood that typically for a new car buyer i'm like you know prior to digitization a typical new car journey buying journey used to be around 6 months hmm after digitization it came down to almost 84 days so you almost like half okay. the uh the, the purchase cycle. journey hmm. and it's a fairly high involvement uh course, purchase it's, it's one of the things that you put a lot of like heart and soul into it because of the uh the fallouts that can happen if you don't buy a good yeah. car right i'm like uh, there's a social disadvantage there's a monetary disadvantage there's a safety disadvantage and so on and so forth so we understood that a person is not looking for the perfect car they're looking for the right car and yeah. there's a distinction between these sure. two statements right um and then through those 84 days journey we found that a large part of first of 85% of those journeys are very very um what do you call compartmentalized and predictable mm-hmm. okay right i'm mean, like you know and if i were to say three stages journey first is just about awareness hmm ki mere ko this is my need state which are the cars that i can potentially Short buy in this thing. budget hmm you will look at a used car in your budget you will look like six different cars you will read a lot of content which is about that particular stage a lot of reviews a lot of like photos a lot of videos and all just to get to know the car sure right um that that lasted for a certain amount of time upwards of 25 30 days if memory serves me hmm. right then you know that these are the two or three cars that i'm interested Short in that's, that's when you go into the consideration stage okay with just two or three cars and a couple of variants of those cars or of those models and and over there the the content type also changed a lot of product content came into play mm. a lot of like comparison related content from an editorial perspective started come so not only did your mindset change the content types also changed mm. and then you say ki okay this particular model this particular variant is what i'm going to buy now you saying ki where can i buy it from will i get good offers discounts and how soon will i get the delivery sure that's the last this is transaction stage mm. what kind of emi insurance can i get on this what's my landed price sure uh, what's the emi that if i were to pay say 20% would be and if i were to pay 30% so a lot of like those final commercial mm. decisions that was like a fairly shortish period but then again the content type absolutely changed right so you are looking at a person who's going on this 84 day journey across three different cohorts uh, across three different stages stages with very different content types supporting that decision making hmm once you understood that then the whole big data personalization engine uh, of car deco was making sure that as you go into this journey you're getting these timely reminders or content or the website personalization happen for you as you were moving across stages and then he keep on moving further But into this. But then there'll be more cohorts because there'll be somebody wanting x segment of car versus y segment of car. So all yeah, that yeah, content yeah. that's getting delivered is uh, sensitive to the stage as well as the choices that are being made. Absolutely. Of filters. Yeah, yeah. You know, so in some sense for that world it just seems that it's just a more natural a more early priority because the kind of business impact this data absorption and corresponding percentage would have was probably very different compared to what might be for some other industries because it's a digitally mature category yeah. 90% of the new car buyers were already online mm. so you had no choice but to be like really really good at the whole digitization well, experience some of the boiled down to the kind of space you're competing in and what the nature of competition is like and the battle around is data centered or not as much yeah, yeah. interesting so gorav this is very interesting from you know your journey as well as your current play at noise what i'd love to probably draw a couple of quick answers on mm. is you know what's that one uh, thing that you care about uh, 
let's say on a dashboard level or metric level which you watch every day personally oh okay so actually i i look at my uh, app matrix very okay. very closely app is like the engagement sure. slash education so i'm like so you know how now and what else no no i'm like you know what kind of like you know feeds are happening uh feeds uh, are people looking at i'm like you know what kind of like you know streaks are people like at right okay. now what kind of challenges are people indulging in yeah. because so i think the acquisition matrix the whole cac and all those things are fairly i'm mean, like you know that stabilize and mature de pata chal aapko malum hai itne mein rahega ranges wo rahengi and so on so there is seasonality but then this is there's a network effect to this business i'm not not this business per se but this uh, part of the business and the more people doing it the more it will become interesting for everyone else yeah the organic uh, potential of this part of the business is much more hmm so maybe on one day i mean like you know you might just like end up growing like much faster than what you would anticipated and because this is a much more newer aspect of a go to market sure. i'm like you know which is where a little bit more attention goes mm. in understanding what's happening because it's not that i'm coming from a place of understanding everything <laughs> right so sure the data uh, helps me understand the, the consumer behavior also a lot more but then this is where the potential for organic interesting You know, where do you draw inspiration from when it comes to as a marketer, and you've had a fairly diverse sort of products you're dealing with, and now you're dealing with a physical product, which has a strong brand value, but there's always a journey. So, what's your, let's say, inspiration at this point? Yeah, inspiration just comes from like working across categories of yeah. different life stages, and I have okay. always seen that like you know, while the go-to markets might be different, what media as you deploy, what tools to deploy can be a little bit different. But I think one thing that always stands. has to true and that's what inspires me here theek hi kar rahe is that like you know the 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 growth mindset is the single biggest motivator for me hmm. and this is again not visceral to a lot of uh, organizations there's a lot of silos ki marketing acquisition dekh raha hai product retention engagement i will want you to double click a little bit when you say growth mindset what do you mean that pretty much like you know end to end i mean like you know hmm. and, and it's an organizational design flaw okay. sometimes that your KPIs and KRAs and AOPs are structured in a manner which compels you to stop at a certain so part of the consumer giant like trying to get hands yeah, yeah. being hard so growth mindset for me is like actually breaking down those silos and going across the entire consumer journey i'm like you mm-hmm. know so as as a as a say a performance marketer in a marketing setup are you also looking at LTV and not mm-hmm. just LTV i mean like you know what are the services that he or she is consuming once they have actually bought your product or service We have seen a lot of interesting examples from places as odd as Oyo, where the performance marketer is supposed to know 30-day ROAS. Hmm. You know what else has happened in the next 30 days. So I'm curious in your lens, uh, that was more of a people choice topic. That okay, I'm going to get performance marketers who are sensitive to this and who are supposed to watch these metrics. In your world, is this an org design thing that they are growth orgs? You know, I've seen that as a company a play as well. That people design growth teams to have engineers and analysts as well as execution folks mm-hmm. from the campaign lens. In your world, this is an org design play, or like a pod play, or a culture play, or a mix. How do you see this? So right now, it's an nascent philosophy. I'm like, okay. you know, as I said, I'm like, you know, being a product company, I'm like, you know, we also like learning the ropes. Uh, mm. How does this? Because there are many more other functions. I mean, that that take your management one bit. Mm. But then, that's to to your prior question. I mean, that's the inspiration. If we can sure. like unlock that philosophy mm. in a digital CPG company, I'm like, you know, imagine what happens to this world. Like, so, I mean, you're the right. place in some sense in the right position within the company to be able to drive this kind of evolution forward and that's perhaps that's the, that's the biggest inspiration motivation uh, whatever not star whatever you want to call it right. like, so for me that is like the thing that really really excites me and uh, yeah and i think it's just just cultural change i'm like you know while while at zupi i'm like you know quick understanding i'm like you know your ltvs of a customer play out over 2 to 3 years hmm. right 
um but then i'm like you know when you're opening up a new channel of acquisition it's giving whatever returns on a 30 day on a 7 day 15 day how do you know mm. what to scale or not sure so if you're going to be like say optimizing on a say even a 7 day or a 15 or 30 day journey uh i thought be fair there might be false positives or uh, yeah. whatever so so if you are like you know if you can like really optimize and build that connections between your 30 day arpus versus their 24 month ltvs then you really unlock uh, the whole growth philosophy i'm like you know at, at from an acquisition and then retaining that particular person also uh, and spending your dollars where they really give returns to you so it's surprisingly uncommon to look at this philosophy so while of course i've seen the gaming folks being pretty obsessed that they need to see roi on acquisition by the subsequent engagement beyond the first one i see a lot of companies fairly disconnected from their acquisition and their retention lenses you're optimizing for cac you don't necessarily care if this cohort has a better ltv than the other Unfortunately, that's still a majority of companies. And look, you know, I mean, again, you know, getting a low CAC is not a, a big deal if you like. I mean, you know, you just scale, ignore the rest of the things, right? I mean, you'll have to slow down your growth if you don't really want to maintain CAC. But no, in some I'm cases, saying, I mean, they, 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 I mean, you know, you might just go down the affiliate route also, right? I mean, you know, give a yeah, low CAC. Yeah, which will give you low CAC, but shitty cohorts. That's what I'm saying. If you were to isolate yourself from that part of the reality, you can drive a lot of low CAC. You've been a 15-year digital marketer, so it comes very naturally to you. but trust me for a large majority of people it's still early days to think about this whole post purchase cycle or repeat cycle or lifetime value cycle compared to the cac mm. so we see that happening all the time you know, so where does uh, noise end up in 2025 what kind of let's say non numerical but some sort of ambition that you would state i think if i were to just talk about inwards i think hopefully we are while we are a product company i'm like you know but we are a digital services from a company huh? from a company uh, from a dna background Uh, from a dna perspective yeah. i think that is definitely if that were to happen then i think the commercial aspects will take care of themselves Auto- automatically get there yeah but that's a dna evolution from a product to a service play which is a hard one to trans it is all right so wish you all the best with that gorif no thank you so thank much thank you so much for doing this very interesting and i think it's a slightly different conversation compared to whatever else i've had but very insightful no likewise so have much. a great time 